0: Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started.
1: Five. Let's stand together, and we're going to read our text. Paul, writing to young Timothy, says here in chapter 5, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. Honor widows who are really widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Now, she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplication and prayer night and day, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially For those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, and if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has... Re, uh, relieve the afflicted, and if she has diligently followed every good work, but refuse the younger widows, for when they have uh, begun to go wanton against Christ, then uh, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle. But also gossip and busybody saying these things which they ought not, therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage a house, uh, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan, if any believing man or women has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened that they may relieve those who are really widows. And so again, Lord, this is your word to a church that has so many great values even today. As we look upon these things, they're not written as some trivial thing. And Lord, let's throw this in, I have nothing else to talk about. But Lord, they're written to the church that we might take heed. So give us ears to hear, give us a heart to understand, and may you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now you may be seated. You know, uh, one thing as we we get started is we have been receiving pictures, uh, text messages, even on social media of families of children raising hands uh, in uh, worship at home. And I want to encourage you to send those in. They are wonderful. I know for myself, but for the whole body to see. So if you're there worshiping the Lord in, uh, uh, you know, in your front room and you're just there and you have the TV screen back there, I think those things are so <laughs> they're encouraging to me. Uh, and there I think they're encouraging to the body of Christ just to see hands going up everywhere and also responding on uh, the social media, which is so important. So we come to this place, um, of where Paul, in chapter 5, he's referring to the ministry uh, of the church to itself, the body of Christ. As you and I are the body of Christ, we're needing one another. Not only how we're to operate, you know, um, here as a church, as we know the theme of this very uh, letter was found in the third chapter where he would say for, uh, for you know, so so that you may know, Paul was writing, how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God. And so you think of the things, now family, and he's dealing with family. He's dealing with the things that, um, you know, we should have in our family as the body of Christ. And you think about the body of Christ being a family. Could you lead, lead you to think of a couple of things? I know it does for me, because in my life, you think of my paternal family, We were a family that argued and disagreed much of the time. You know, it was like, uh, you know, growing up, and I'm talking about when I was a child, um, you know, now we have the perfect family. Uh, Just kidding, but we do, in a sense. Uh, But, uh, you know, to have that, you know, as a child, we have this disagreements. And, you know, we had eight siblings in our family, and some of them, you know, were were older than the younger generation, which which I was a part of. And so, you know, when we got back together, It's like, well, they were living on their own, the older siblings living on their own. He had these younger three boys at home and, and, uh, you know, things were just not the same. It was just different. It was, it was, uh, it was very different. It was maybe dysfunctional, but I'll tell you, I will never deny my love for them. They're my family. They're my sisters, my brothers, they're my mother and father. We'll never deny my love for them and uh, never deny that they're part of my family. And I'll never forget them. My nieces and nephews, the same way. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what kind of dysfunction that we've been a part of. What matters is that you know we're we're born in this family. Well, that's kind of the idea here. When you think of the church, we're family, and we're so dysfunctional, but we're the greatest dysfunctional family that's ever known to mankind. And and it's so important that we see, you know, these things as what they are. I mean, we're brought up in different backgrounds, different cultures, different educational systems, all this stuff that is different. We have so different, you know, different people coming in. Uh, you know, from rich and poor and black and white and, and you know, educated, non-educated, you know, people that were straight A students and people that were 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 not straight A students and all these things. And we come together to make up the body of Christ, so we're not going to be perfect. And I think that's something to be reminded of, you know, as we gather together, that when we come together, the body of Christ is not a perfect body, but it's being perfected. And we come and we come, you know, before the Lord and we stand before the Lord and we say, Lord, help us. One day we're going to see our father. You know, I remember as a child, you know, you're going to get it when we get home. And I, trust me, you got it when you got home, you know. And I think of, I think of, uh, you know, one one day we're going to see our father. We're going to get what we sent ahead. How did we react? What was part of our lives about And, and all this stuff and our, and our actions ought to reflect our father's, uh, family values. You know, when, when we were sent out as a child, my parents would often remind us, and say, and remember, you're a Frederick. And I'm thinking, uh, I mean, there's an 8-year-old, 10-year-old, what does that mean? I mean, I'm a Frederick, okay, yeah, you're my mom and dad. But, but, you know, it, what it was is, remember your manners, remember your behavior, you know, and they were drilled into us. Remember your pleases and thank yous, you know. Remember to respect your elders. And so there's that family thing. And there's family values. Now, we have family values in the body of Christ. And the family values in the body of Christ are so important. And so you have Paul, who's this kind of spiritual father, if you will, to Timothy. And remember that he's Timothy's been left there in Ephesus to take care of things like this. The body needed some organization. It needed help. It needed to make sure that it was uh, well taken care of and things that were put in order there. So again... This subject uh, might be, you know, for some it might be uh, trivial. You would think, well, what are we talking about widows? And what are we talking about family things? Well, well, it's important. It's so important that we talk about these things and we teach. I think every church needs to understand that they're taught these, what people might think trivial. Well, it's not going to draw anybody teaching about widows on a Sunday morning. What are we going to do that for? Well, drawing anybody, it's educating those whom the Lord is drawing. And that's what's so important. So that when the time comes, we know how to react. Not just the church, but the people in the church. That they know how to react. That they know what to expect when there's a death. And so we, we, we get this and we, we come and we say, you know, maintaining the conduct in the church is very important. God has sent us his letter. He's given us instructions. When we start a new job, and we go to, you know, sit down and, and fill out the paperwork and we meet with the HR department, you know, and they talk about the vacation and the pay structure and all this stuff. They they have this thing that's called the SOPs. It's called the standing uh, operating procedures, you know, the standard operating procedures. This is what we do. This is how we get things done. This is what our company is. And the church is that same way. So God has given us these standard operating procedures on how we're to take care of one another. And and again, you know, we have to look at this and we have to say, okay, Lord, this is the way. If this is what the church should look like, let's oblige by it. Let's, Let's honor it. Let's honor what God is saying to the church. And let's live by it. And let's know what to expect when we get older. Let's know that you know, uh, how we're, we're to operate now so that when it's, you know, not a uh, not anything that's just blind to us. And I think what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see. So here's this, this opportunity, not, not to showboat, not to, you know, put ourselves on a pedestal at all, but that they may see your good works. And here's the thing, that they may glorify your father in heaven. They're gonna see how we operate. They don't care. I mean, look, the world wants to judge our past, but we have to remind them that our past has already been judged. It's been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Those who believe in Jesus have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Though the world may not forgive, and when I say the world, I mean those unsaved, whether they're family or friends or just co-workers, whatever, they don't know about the grace of God. They don't know about the blood, the power of the blood that has the ability to, to cleanse us. And then we we as a church, we come together, again, from different walks of life to bring together this body and we're working and people are seeing us, but we want them to see us that they may glorify our Father in heaven. How we're working as a family, how we're working as a unit, how the church functions, and it should function because it has a, a heavenly Father who's such a good, good Father and it's passages like this that the unsaved can see, and they'll look at, that, and they'll see that the church has some depth to what it believes. It's believing it. It's living it out. And everybody's going to have some type of problems, right? I mean, we all do. And just like the problems that we come across in life, the Bible has the answers. And so Uh, You know, we we look here uh, today, here's a a lot of things, a lot of issues have come up. We've seen a lot of people over the years, I'm almost 60 years old now. I've seen uh, quite a few people pass away, unfortunately, in my family, in the body of Christ, friends and family. And we've seen these things take place. Well, Paul is going to tell Timothy here, he's going to encourage him with how they are to treat one another. You just start off with that. How they're going to treat one another, and we'll get into this widow's. So the treatment of one another, look at verse 1, what he says again. He says, and do not rebuke an older man. Now, Paul here is not talking about um, an elder in the church. He, he'll get to that later on. He's talking about the aged, those who have miles upon them, you know, miles and miles. They've got days upon them. They're older. But, but he says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort. Now, the interesting word here that is used is parakaleo, which is means to come alongside. You know where we get the word para, which is parable, or para when Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you, and then he will be in you. Well, that word with is para. So we're to come alongside. The younger guys are to come alongside the older generation, and they're to come alongside of them. It's like, you know, I'll tell you, I know that some pastors who wouldn't listen to uh, uh, a younger generation and now they're scrambling to get all their services online and, you know Facebook you know nothing to do with that but now they're scrambling and pushing and trying to get some and, and you know I'm not saying that Facebook is the answer and YouTube and the media is the answer but now that we see the value that it can have the the gospel is going out throughout the world today and and nobody's getting credit for it you know, there's not anybody saying, well, this preacher went here, this preacher went there. We're using a platform that everybody has in their hands and everybody has in their, you know, on their iPads or whatever it might be. So, you know, he's saying, but exhort them. And, and the reason I say that is because I have uh, been encouraged to, over the years, to loosen up on my old style grip of things, you know, I'm glad I did in that case, in the case of getting the word out. So he says, but exhort, so come alongside, Pericleo, uh, him as a father, so to come alongside of them. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. So it's important that we know the right and the wrong way of how we should be coming to one another when we're ministering to them. And, and older people are to really listen to the younger people. And in a church, the younger people can't function without the older people because the older people have a lot of wisdom, where the younger people have a lot of energy. And so we're coming together and we're listening to one another. The younger people have to harness that energy. And they're looking up and they're saying, well, what, is, what are the, the old-timers or the, the age of the elderly saying because they've been around that bush long enough? Maybe things haven't transpired so fast and changed over so fast as they have today. I mean, I think in the days they went from hymn books to song, uh, song uh, sheets to, or to the overheads to song sheets to them putting it up on screens and now things are really like progressing and it's kind of crazy. But here it is that there's a wrong way how we're to minister in a right way how we should minister to one another. And that's what Paul says. You don't rebuke an older man. When he comes and you're younger and you get older, man, it says, Ed, listen, you know, I want to be, I want you to be cautious in this. I want you to understand this, that I want you to look at another side or the flip side of things. And there might be some wisdom in there and how we approach things. But then the younger guy and Timothy is in the look at them and just blow them off because there's a lot of wisdom that the older generation has. And then you go on and it says, you know, the, the same thing that he's talking about, with that younger men as brothers. So we're to treat one another as a brother or a sister. Remember that we are all family. And, and again, Paul is drawing the attention to the family of God and the importance of the family of God. And so we never want to get to the point of where we're building up walls, you know, with uh, within certain people or age groups and saying, you know, they're, they're, they can't be like this, or we can't be like that. Oh, no, the, the church is, you know, it's going downhill because it now has this or that or the other thing. You know, you know we we, we got to be cautious in that. I remember one day, a few years back, and we had uh, this enormous, and it happens here when we're gathered together, we have a lot of little kids running around. And they're just—we have this area. You've been here, and it, it circles around. It's almost like going around the mulberry tree, you know. They go around the bathrooms and in the children's ministry, and by the nursery, boom, 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 boom. And one of the elder brothers here at the church, you know, people—they—they uh, they look and they go, "Oh, look at those kids going." He looked, and uh, he looked at me, and he said, "Pastor Alec, I tell you something. I think, what's he going to say?" And he said, "I am so blessed to see this." Younger kids running around because they're our next generation. Isn't that true? We need them. We need them. And they need us. And they need us. So we, we, we learned, to, you know, we don't want to build up walls there. We don't want to build up walls and say, oh you know what, man, we got to put them in the classroom and lock them up. <laughs> or vel- Velcro them to the ceiling or whatever. I mean, that's not the answer. That's our next generation. And we love them. We're glad that they're able to run around, and you know, when you think about the body of Christ, you think about we are—we are the biggest dysfunctional family ever known to mankind. But we're learning to love one another, and we're learning that the same blood that washed me washes you, and the same—you know—opportunity doesn't matter what you've done in the past. There's no judgment. That we are knowing that our sins, when we come to faith in Christ, that our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west, and it's just wonderful. There's none of us that have, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So not any of us have come to this place of saying, well, I'm better than you, or I've got it together and you don't. That's not the case. So we're to treat one another with this respect. We're to have respect for one another. It's the same for a husband and wife relationship. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves if we're not treating our wives with respect, or wives loving, you know, treating our husbands with respect, husbands loving your wives. And just like the body of Christ, when it comes together, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves if we're not adhering to what God has for us. And so that's why it's important. One of the reasons it's important. Again in verse 1, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women and sisters with all purity. Again, the family, the, the the whole family coming together. And maybe the family that you were raised in, like the family that I was raised in, I didn't know how to operate. Matter of fact, when I first came to Jesus and not knowing how to be a father, not knowing how to be a husband, not knowing how to lead a family, I had to come to the Lord and he had to break me down. But I wanted that because I didn't have good examples from my family growing up. My mother and father they loved us, always had a roof over our heads, but it was really, really, really dysfunctional. So when I came to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know how to love my wife the way you want me to love her. It scared me. Or I don't know how to raise my children. I've never had an example of that. And many of you are in the same boat that I'm in or was in. But but we came to that point to where we have to realize I'm going to let God do in me everything he wants to do in me by the power of the Holy Spirit, changing me to give me the new ideas, the new thoughts, the new ways of things and and build in me his desires, not my desires. I'll mess them up. And I messed them up for the first four years of my marriage I messed things up. I wasn't a Christian. And then coming to faith in Christ, there was a severe battle going on. And I had to learn to love people. I had to learn to love my wife all over again, how Christ wanted me to love her. And and the children, my kids the same way. I've always loved them, but how Christ wanted me to love them. And and one another, we come into the body of Christ and you see somebody that you maybe used to hang out with or used to do dope with or used to, you know, whatever you used to do with them. And you're thinking, but now they've been washed by the blood of the Lamb and we're treating each other with new respect and new love. But it takes a breaking down of that old person. We can't come in here with a chip on our shoulders or you know, in the body of Christ with a backpack of problems and say, you know what, I'm going to join the body of Christ. I want to be washed. I want to go to heaven. But I'm not going to change. We've got to learn to let God change us by the power of His Holy Spirit. We've got to learn to respect, learn to love. And the first problem in the church is, is also a modern one, right? There's people, a group of church members, they felt neglected. Remember in Acts chapter 6, they felt neglected, and some people will feel neglected. And so this is why Paul is ministering to Timothy, and he's saying, you know what? Here's I'm going to give you some specific instructions for this specific group within the church. I think that's Wonderful. And, and again, God always has a heart for the widow and also the fatherless. Why? Because the things that have happened to them are not by choice. They didn't choose to be that way. So let's look at this, ministering to widows. In verses 3, he says, honor widows who are really widows. Now, what Paul is not saying is that those he isn't referring to those who would like to be widows. And that's just joking. You know, <laughs> I'm <a>, going <laughs> I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna off this person if they don't, you know, there. I'm gonna strangle them. You guys have been quarantined for a while now, and it's like ah. That's not what he's talking about. Rather, those who fit the the biblical criteria of the widows, and he's going to bring that out here. And so honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable for God. So the responsibility. First, all that Paul takes here and points out is the responsibility is to the children, if their children are still alive. That's the responsibility. It's not the responsibility of the church. So, first off, you can underline those those things in there, but he says, first let the children. See, children, you gotta take note of this. You gotta understand that every dirty diaper. Every you know time that you've had a you know you you ran around you've eaten cookies you gave a hard time to your mom and dad (laughs) and all this stuff you got to remember you're indebted to your parents for life you're indebted to them you can't ever get away from them but that's a good thing because we're the body of Christ and we're expanding within our own paternal families so you know all of those things that were you know all the tantrums all the things you think that you just remember one day. You're walking with the Lord, you're responsible to take care of them. And it doesn't matter, you know, how you've been mistreated as a child growing up or how, you know, dysfunctional, you know, your family was or is, or that doesn't matter. You have to develop as a child, as a teen, as a younger person, you have to develop within your heart how you're going to walk with God and how you're going to represent his word and live out his word for you in your life. And so that's a responsibility. And so understand that it doesn't matter how we've been treated. I grew up in an alcoholic home. I grew up with a father who ran the, ran the the home quite well. I grew up with uh, yes or no, sir, you know, all these things that you know you 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 knew who the boss was. And so you have to learn now how God wants you to respect your parents and how he wants you to take care of them at the end when you become a parent also. And so he speaks about, Paul goes on to talking about, is she really a widow? And I know you're thinking, well, of course her husband's died, you know, or the spouse has died. Well, this is what it says in verse five. Now if she is really a widow. And he'll mention this three times, really in verse three, right here uh, in verse five, he'll mention again later on at the end of the uh, passage, he'll say the same thing. You know, is she really a widow, a real widow, and here's how she is a real widow. She's left alone. She trusts God and continues in supplication and prayer night and day. So a real widow is one who is one who has this awesome spiritual character about her. You, I mean, this is a biblical criteria for a woman who's looking to and, and will receive benefits from the church of some kind of benefits. Listen, she's alone. She has no children, it says. No children to take care of her. The second thing it says she trusts in God. And this is developed long before her husband dies, speaking of the the woman. Long before her husband dies, she's in church. She's faithful to church. She's not, you know, meandering around. She's not in in these gossip groups or anything like that. But she is. She's one who trusts in God. She's doing it now as a part of her life while she is married. And then it says she's a woman of, of deep prayer. Continues in supplication and prayer. She's a woman in deep prayer. Again, this isn't something, uh, that is gonna just start when she becomes a widow, although it may increase, but it's a life that has been devoted to prayer. It's one that is already praying for the leaders in the church, praying for the people in the church, one who has found praying for the children in the church, praying for the teens, praying for just the things that need to take place. She is devoted to prayer. And it should be a no-brainer to the church and to the leadership because they don't have to want, you know, wonder about, well, I don't know. What should I, I don't know. I mean, let's flip a coin. Well, I kind of like her husband. We used to go fishing all the time. I, and we, I think we should, no, that's not the criteria. See, the criteria is that she's a godly woman. And you, the husband, it doesn't take anything where you can be a widow too. You need to be a godly man. And a beautiful example of a godly widow is seen in Anna in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 36, it says, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel uh, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, and the woman was a widow of about eight. 84 years, who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in the instant, uh, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked upon the redemption of Israel in the speaking of Jesus. You see, Anna made her first love the Lord. You guys know the story. I've always loved my wife. But I always told her she would be 1A. The Lord would be number one and she would be right under that. And we are to love one another. Have the Lord as our first love. Men, not fishing, golfing, car racing. Jesus Christ. Women, not sewing. Not Facebook, not your phones. But Jesus Christ. Not even your children. Jesus Christ, number one. See, Anna was content with the Lord being her husband and fulfilling that role when her husband had died. She allowed the Lord to be everything that she needed in life. And she serving, found serving the Lord with her whole heart. Now listen, this is why it's not trivial to speak these things today. This is why it's not trivial to uh, exhort the church and teach the things that are found in the scripture like this today. Because how we live our lives today is important for the future. Look at verse 6. But, so you saw verse 5, verse 6. But, she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command. This is not a suggestion. Timothy, don't go soft on this. I don't want you to just to bypass this and while you're, you know, you know, Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Smith or whatever, you know, she's a, a very, you know, neat woman. She makes the best. Uh, ham for the church for uh, their potlucks and you know don't go soft on this but he says and these things command that they may be blameless so there's an opportunity to teach these things to the younger people now or to those to the to the entire church now so not all women who became widows back in Ephesus of this time gave themselves to such godly service and it was obvious so Paul's pointing this out. And again, I think it's so important for the church today to understand this. What you do now with your life is important for your future. The the church and the the pastor, the leadership, we you know, we could take a bad rap. Oh, they didn't do the right thing, or they didn't do this thing. See if a widow, if they're refused support by the church, but then again, this is this is why this isn't trivial. This is why it needs to be taught. Because it's not the responsibility of the pastor or the elders necessarily to say, to to, to make that criteria. It's the person who is now a widow to fit that criteria. But not to just say, okay, now I'll sign up for that. But it's a lifestyle lived prior to when things happen. And so this is why I think that every section in the Bible is necessary to be taught in every church. Because it's going to strengthen the church. When when spouses die, and they do die, you know what to expect about your future. And you clearly understand, and you're not taken by surprise. Another thing, it's important now that we live our lives, not only as, as women, but men's and teens, because how we live our lives now, we're got to, we have to understand that what we reap, or what we sow, that's what we're going to reap. How we're living our lives, how we're giving, how we're being that child, how we're being that husband or that wife, how we're living our lives is going to, is so important. And again, back to the theme of the church, what Paul is saying that how we are to conduct ourselves or to behave within a church. Not just the leadership, not just the, the doctrine. That's the responsibility of the leadership, the responsibility of the pastor, but how we are going to live our lives. That's the responsibility of the church, the people, how we're going to live our lives under the Lord. And then he says, "Look, at, look I want to go back to verse 5. again. look at a deep contrast because, again, verse 5 says, Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. See, all, all too often we look at people, we get phone calls quite a bit from people on the outside asking for financial help. And they all have a story. I mean, and I'm not saying some of them aren't real. So if you've called here and asked for help, we have to discern who we want to help, who we can help. And we don't want to help everybody, but who we can help. And we have to discern because a lot of times it's a story. We'll get a phone call. We'll help somebody out. And then all of a sudden the chain goes on. Called We get this reaction where everybody's calling the church. And, and here's the thing. The story is, You know, I've heard them all. I mean, I've heard a lot of them. Like My, you know, electricity is getting off. My child is on a a, a heart monitor or whatever, you know, some um, kind of thing we need the electricity on to, uh, you know, I I look at, I'm paying for all of that. And then, uh, you know, just so many things and we've heard them. You have to discern by those things. You should be plugged into a church. And this is why it's important even in this section to say, you know what, if you're watching out there and you're, you're tuning in, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, though not perfect, again, being perfected, is there so that we can grow together in Christ. So you need to come to Jesus. None of us deserve what we have. We don't deserve to be forgiven. But we have to understand that we come to Christ and then all of a sudden our, our, the things in our lives change. So there's that contrast there, right? There's that contrast with one who's seeking God and then one who is living in pleasures, dead, dead in their lives. There's a contrast. And we want to call out for God for help because the government is closed down or whatever the case may be. So we'll make phone calls. We'll say, hey, I need some help. And this has gone on for years. You know, we need help. We need this, we need that. But we won't call out for God for the biggest need that we have. That's the forgiveness of our sin to be washed. To be made new. And so God tells us plainly how we are to be and how we're to behave ourselves, speaking of the church, and we should set our example in the world. Remember, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Just one thing for the church, just seek the Lord. Put him first. Husbands, put God first. Wives, put God first. Teens, put God first. You may not understand what that looks like tomorrow. It takes faith because I don't know, I didn't know how God can work in my life until I let him. And the problem is a lot of people in marriages, they don't know how, they don't have the faith to trust God, how he's going to work in their lives. And so you have that contrast and people still living the old lifestyle, but you know God is requiring this new man, this new woman to be brought to life. And again, we get these calls, you know, and here, here's one of the things, you get a call from a, from somebody who needs help, the, one of the first things I'll ask is, listen, can you pass the drug test? Click. Listen, I'm only asking, you, you, can you pass the drug test? You know, I need this, I'm, I'm, I need that, can you pass a drug test? Maybe right or wrong, I, I just want to help people out, but I want to help people out that are going to help themselves. And so you have this thing to where Jesus offers much more than the government can offer. So Jesus offers this one-step guilt-free, this instant healing solution when he offered himself upon the cross. And so when we look to the Lord and we say, hey, if I need help, he's the answer. He's the answer that we need. And then look at verse eight because he, he warns slackers. And he says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, house, his own uh, and especially for those of his household, he is denied to faith and worse than an unbeliever. Remember, faith without works is dead. What are we trying to prove? You know, in the world today, we see this self-centeredness. And there's always this concern for self or, con- you know, concern for what I've got going on instead of being a concern for others and having a concern for others. But the Bible is very clear that here in this position, we're not to push our responsibilities off on anybody. And the question, let me ask this question. What are you showing the world around you? If you're a believer, you proclaim, you know, everybody identifies as whatever they want today. I mean, sexually orientated, you know, uh, this gender sensitive stuff. But when, when we identify as a Christian, what are we saying? What are we showing to the world that's around us? What are we showing to her and testifying to our co-workers and our friends? What are we testifying to our children who need to so see and witness a true Christian in operation? What are we showing them? And the Lord has given us again the responsibilities as his children to make sure that we're handling things correctly. So let's look at this qualifying. We'll breeze through here. This qualifying of the widows. It's kind of self-explanatory. In verse 9... He begins, but you might think, well, you think it really has to qualify. I thought that, you know, when a husband died or, died or wife died, the person is a widow. Yes, you're right. But in order to receive support from the church, I mean, you want, you want to have the church. You want to have the body of Christ around you. And one of the last things that Jesus did on the cross is he, he looked at his mother, right? And he took care of her. And he said, he said to his disciples, behold your mother. And that was from that, from that hour the disciple took her unto his home. Look at it, He's going to take care of moms. Moms are important. I love my mother. I love my father too. My mother is so important. My wife is so important to the children. So important. They call her, they don't call me. But she's so important and so wonderful. Take care of her. So it's our responsibility to take care of our moms. Listen, Paul was going to clarify what what really qualifies a real widow in order for them to receive assistance from the church. It's pretty self-explanatory. Look at verse nine. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the numbers. So 60 years old, it's not really the 60, but it's those, I mean, I don't think he's using 60 as the cutoff age. But he's, you know, those who are close to retirement, they can't work. They maybe they, they can't. It's hard for them to find work or go back to work, and especially after a time of grieving. We've been married for you know you're 60 years old. Some people have been married 40 years, and it takes time. It takes time for that. And he says so. He says you know, under the 60 under 60 years old to be taken to the number, and not unless she. So important. Listen, not unless she. So she's already be doing these things, but not unless she has been the husband of one man faithful. That the wife has been faithful. Not just in purity of, of sexual, you know, I have never cheated on my husband, but you, how is your voice to him? Are you respecting him? Are you giving him the opportunity to grow? And and husbands the same way. Are you loving your wives? As Christ loved the church. Are you laying yourself down? So being faithful to one's marriage is very important in the eyes of God. And then he says, well reported for good works. She's been a good report within the church. matter of fact, the church knows her. And we're using the the, um, feminine version. She has, speaking of the gals, she has. She's been well noted in the church as serving God. There's no, this is a no brainer. It's a no-brainer. She's serving the Lord. She's of good report. She served faithfully the body of Christ and her Lord and Savior. If she, the fourth thing, has brought up children, she's raised them faithfully in the Lord. She's trained them in the ways of the Lord. And then the fifth thing, it says if she has lodged strangers, this, this is hospitable. She's been hospitable. She's been opening, she's had the house open. You know, when, when the husband was around, they, they just, they were hospitable to one another and to the others in the body of Christ. If she has washed the saints' feet, a true servant of the Lord, washing the feet of the saints and just, just being that true servant, serving in humility. And then she says, uh, or then Paul says, if she has relieved of the afflicted, and that's having compassion it's caring for those in need. Not gossiping about them, but caring for them. And not broadcasting it out, but just taking care of the needs that are there. Not letting the left hand know what the right hand is doing. And then the eighth thing, not only does she relieve the afflicted, but she has diligently followed every good work. You know what she has? Uh, she's well known for having a godly life. God is a center. and And this time, speaking of today, that many of us are isolated. <laughs> you know, we're isolated. All of a sudden we're found within, you know, this virus has us with well, in four walls. And, you know, well, a little more than four walls, but we're in the property lines. And we got husbands and wives living together more than they've ever been together in their life. In their whole marriage life. And children are there. And children are home all the time. And we can get into this place of complaining, oh, my husband, oh, my wife, oh, she, oh, he, oh, they. This is a time to work on things. I don't know if you want, well, I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. You're staring normal at the face. That's what normal is. But what we do with normal is going to change. We should be changing, taking this time to say, listen, we're seeing what we're presenting to the Lord. Our marriages, our children, you know, how they're acting, how they're going about, where they're, you know, breaking walls, jumping to them, backflips off the wall and all. I'm just saying if that's happening, well, we're, 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 are we raising them. And, 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 you know, we have to think about these things because, you know, we can take these things and we can complain about, well, all, I didn't know it was this bad. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Change the normal. Change the normal. Listen. You can either complain or you can sit there and be still and know that He is God and say, God, we need your help. Because now you're seeing what's there, right? <laughs> you're seeing it. I kind of laugh because it took Elaine and I, we've been, I, mean, I have an office at the home, but, you know, we saw some things in our own life. We're like, whoo, what? But we just sit there and pray, God, help us. God, help us. And I know she's praying over her, close Lord, change that man, change that man. <laughs> just kidding. Or we can sit still. We got to sit still and know that he is God. And then look, Paul gives us some uh, reasons to refuse them. And we'll close with this. He says, but refuse the younger widow for when they have, watch out for this, when they have begun to grow in wanton against Christ, they desire to marry having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith." So Paul wasn't necessarily, again, making the 60 years age a cutoff like we do in the, you know, the you want to go to get a discount if you're a senior, it's either 55 or 60 or whatever. That age, though. Know, sometimes even our gray hair let us pass for some of those. But he's making a point between the older and the younger, you know, the older and the younger, those who lose their husbands, and he's referring to them as being younger. And if you still at the age of getting married or being married, you're gonna to want to be married. Uh, if So you can work if you're needed. So he's saying, but refuse them. Why? Because of that. And the other thing he says, because they grow wanton against Christ, it means they become voluptuous against Christ. They're, they're starting to put their own needs, their own desires, not trusting God. And again, the list goes on. He says, and besides, they learn to be idle, wandering from house to house, And not only idle, but also gossip and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire the younger uh, widows marry, bear children, manage the household, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve, that's help them. And do not let the church be burdened that it may... Relieve those who are really widows. Every one of us needs to be careful how we're living our lives. We need to take inventory on that. We're a family of God. We have a Father in heaven, and we're waiting for, He's, he's waiting for us to humbly uh, humble ourselves and come to Him and say, God, I'm, I need help. Again, like as I do and as I did when I first came to Christ, Ooh, I needed a lot of help then. I still need a lot of help. But back then, it was so obvious. Now it's still obvious but it's, it's still you know, got to god help me but then it was really obvious man it was like I, it was I, a lot of the obvious was in here it was in my heart struggling with it and now you know the the thing that we why we come to him and why it's so important to come to him is because you know he has these these things detailed out but because he's much smarter than we are his ways are not our ways His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts, so he knows about these things. And he has everything intact and written down so that we should know how we're to respect one another and keep his body. It's his body. He died for it. He brought us all together by the blood of his son, brings us all together, and now he says, I'm going to instruct you. It's not for us to, you know, well, let me think about this. No, no, no. We're to be a bright light in this world. So we look out there and we say, okay, I want to follow the instructions that he's given to us. And this is why Paul is so adamant about these fine details of the body of Christ because we're the church, we're his bride, we belong to him, we are his body, he died for it. He died for you. And maybe you're not a member of the body of Christ, a member being that you have never come to Christ or you've walked away from Christ. This morning, come to Jesus, come back to him. He's like, look, I got a great family that'll welcome you in. But the only way... To the body of Christ and be a member of the body of Christ is not by signing some thing and say, "Well, I commit to you know tithing this much or doing that." That's not what it's about. It's about saying, "I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. He gave Himself for me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. He's the answer. I'm coming to Him. I'm turning from my ways, and I'm going to begin a new life in Him." And let God welcome you into the family of God, and we'll welcome you into the family of God. But also understand that. Man, this is a new way of living. Now we learn with one another. You see, his desire for the body of Christ, the church, is to be family-oriented. And we're to treat one another as such. And the way that we're going to figure out how we're to do this is to allow him to speak to us. Listen, today... Family members are forced to sit once again at the table, the dinner table. <laughs> it's a great thing. They're forced to sit there. Husbands and wives has more time with their families. What are you pouring into them? I pray that it's not, go watch that video game, or go get in, in that video game, or go, you know, no, 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 no. Let's raise them in the ways of the Lord. You see, many moms and dads are now forced to homeschool. Their children. They're forced to spend time together. What does that time look like? Are you trying to be creative to find things for your children to do? That's a good thing, but not to take over the responsibility of raising them in the Lord. And so, if we don't take care of these things, we're just neglecting our responsibilities, and the things that God has for us are not trivial. Again, We're coming together, but we should be learning what is it that God wants for us? What is it that he has for us? You know, six weeks ago, we were too busy. Many of us, in all honesty, we're too busy to hear from the Lord, too busy to train our children right, too busy to be the person that God wants us to be. Now, before we get back to normal or whatever normal is, let's, the new normal, let's make sure that we've allowed God to speak to us, that we've allowed him to change what he wants to change so that when we come back together, we're almost unrecognizable in the sense of, I know we'll be carrying a few extra pounds, but in the sense of letting God, that person has changed. That person has changed. And if you're watching too, you come into church and you're going to say, when church gathers back together, say, hey, I'm glad you're here welcome the body of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace, your word, and your soul.
0: We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.